Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. to be here because I missed last week because COVID hit my family. Um, But I was really, really sad to miss Mother's Day. Did you guys have a good Mother's Day? Good. Golf claps all around. That's awesome. Um, I just want to stop and say really quick, um, I want to give a shout out to my mom uh, and say happy Mother's Day to her as well. Uh, I was... um, if you'll allow me a minute to go through a really side story here. A couple weeks ago, I was going through my office, cleaning it out, and um, uh, back in the olden days, I used to store my sermons in a notebook. Uh, That was before I put it on the cloud and stuff like that. And so I was looking back at this huge notebook of like notes and stuff that I uh, have kept all these years and never have any reason to go back to them um, because they were probably trash messages as it was. Anyways, so... uh, I realized I came across one dated May 6th, 1992. It was the first message that I ever preached to an audience of people. I was a, you're wondering, you're trying to do the math, right? I was a, I think I had just started my senior year of high school. And they had asked me to preach a chapel service. I went to a Christian high school, and they asked me to preach a chapel service. And so I had this handwritten message, and it dawned on me, because I was going to mention this last Sunday, it was 30 years to the week that I ever spoke for the first time. And that just, like, hit me, I don't know, like, in a way. And I realized it has everything to do with my mom and my dad. But they were so uh, impactful in my spiritual journey And I still remember that even from when I was a kid coming through, uh, their testimony to me was huge. So mom, thank you. Happy Mother's Day to you. I didn't get to say it in public then, but, and happy Mother's Day to all of the rest of you as well. Um, We are going to continue our series today called How to Deal with Difficult People. And in this series, we're talking about a bunch of different types of difficult uh, people in our life and exploring why uh, we may have so much trouble with them. I'm encouraging you to take notes because so many of you have uh, gave me some feedback, which I'm going to say in a minute. If you want to follow along with our notes, you can go to our website, cthome.com slash watch, or it's on our social media channels as well if you're watching online uh, today. But here's some feedback I've gotten so far in this series. This series of sermons we are in have been life-changing for me. Truly a gift to connect all of these dots and give myself permission for so many things. Uh, This came from someone who's been walking with Jesus for a very long time, and and they said, I have to tell you, each week I am more and more convicted that I'm a difficult person. Thank you for helping me. That's good. Uh, Another person says, I struggle at work with difficult people sometimes. People often become critical and attacking just to make themselves look good or so that they can lead from fear. How do I counter this in a Christian way without appearing weak? It's such a difficult balance. Great message and love this series. 
And then I had another uh, person come up to me after the first week. I had talked about how to deal with the critic. Um, And this person is one of my dearest friends, one of my favorite people. And she came up to me and she said, given what you just spoke about, I don't know if I should tell you this or not, but I'm going to. You have to fix the lights on the stage. (laughs) My personal critic, and I love it. So let's admit it. All of us, let's admit it. When we talk about the difficult people, we begin to get an image of someone in our head or a name of someone in your head, right? We all are doing it. We're all doing it. As soon as I say it, you're going to be like, ooh, that person. And the rules are you're not supposed to say it out loud, at least in church. Um, you know, but I know this, I know this for a fact. I know this for a fact because my whole, my own life group is, uh, is going through this together as we follow up midweek. And, um, I know they're like, oh, yep, it's this person right here. It's this person right here. So I know we have that. See, because difficult people, they discourage us, they demotivate us, they drain us, and they derail us. Don't they? Sometimes you come away from a difficult person, you're like, I... Oh, it's just so discouraged. I thought I had this thing. Or I thought I had this thing and now, I don't know. I second guess. Demotivated. Drain. I can't deal anymore. I'm going to bed. Or just take you right off the path that you felt so good about. See, difficult people in our life do that to us. And I had a question. I was thinking about this this week. Whose ultimate purpose in life is to discourage us, drain us, derail us, throw us off course? Who is it? And no, it's not your spouse. Yeah, yeah, the enemy. Satan, we don't say that out loud very often, right? We don't like to talk about our our enemy, the devil. But here's what the Bible says. He says, the enemy's purpose, this is John 10, 10, is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out to derail you. And then Jesus flips it around and says, but my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Or in other words, in some versions we might say, life and abundant life. Life to the full. So then, it stands to reason, the difficult people in our life maybe you're serving the purpose of the enemy and not of the heavenly father. And so what you're saying, Tom, is that the person I'm thinking of in my head right now is working alongside the devil. Yep, it all makes sense now, right? No, I'm just kidding. We just don't want the enemy to get a foothold. So if you've really been leaning into this series, one more piece of, of setup here before I, I dive in today. I'm a huge believer in rote and repetition, but this part is really, really, really important because if you've really been leaning in and paying attention, we're not just answering the question, how do I deal with difficult people? There's actually something underneath the surface. There's something more there. What I am trying to drive us towards, what Carrie and I have talked about driving us towards is something called spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. 
And I feel that one of the best passages we have in Scripture is one of our main passages we've been showing this whole time. It's in Galatians chapter 5. Some of you know it as the fruit of the Spirit, and we've taken small portions of it here and there. But I want to read this whole thing again. So it's, I think it's going to be up on the screen, Galatians 5, 14 to 26. And I want you to listen to all of this. The whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And I said in the first week, you could probably stop right there for this whole series. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're always biting, devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And here's a list we don't like to hear, but let's read it through again anyway. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. It seems like it never stops. The list goes on and on. And if we're really, really honest with ourselves, we know that we have been through this or we're going through this, or we struggle through these things. He says in verse 22, the big but. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. When it comes into maturity, when we as Christians come into maturity, this is what it's going to look like. Right now we're going through our yard, Sarah and I, we're having to go through everything and I just mulched like six yards of mulch yesterday. I am sore everywhere. But sometimes you have to go through and you have to prune or we have this driveway where we have all these trees and all the buds are starting to come out, right? This is the fruit of something that is healthy and growing. And this is what it says. When you start to mature as a Christian, this is what you're going to exhibit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control. I probably missed some there. Kindness, gentleness, self-control. But those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And so since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow it in every part of our lives. Let us not be conceited, provoke one another, or be jealous one another. And so this is what I would say about maturity. One definition we could say is maturity is being able to react and respond correctly to difficult people and circumstances. And if you're writing, if you're making notes, write that down. You can discuss that this week. I'm not saying that's the dictionary definition. What I'm saying is one way we could look at maturity, particularly spiritual maturity, is being able to react and respond correctly to the difficult people and the difficult circumstances in your life. And that's my goal. That's our goal together. Because it's true, when we start to think about the difficult people in our lives, like Carrie said, we end up seeing like this mirror reflection of like, oh, that might be me. That might be me. So today I want to talk about the bully. The bully. Now, as we talk about the bully... I need to make a couple disclaimers. I am not talking about the physically violent or emotionally violent bully. There is a difference between someone who is difficult and someone who is breaking the law and immoral. 
And that is a very, very different situation. I am not talking about abusive behavior. If there's abusive behavior that you are experiencing or observing, you have to report it. That is not the type of thing I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the people that by personality tend to be a bully. In fact, this is how I am uh, defining it. A bully intentionally seeks to pressure or threaten someone vulnerable. A bully is someone who is intentionally seeks to threaten someone vulnerable. Now, if I ask for a show of hands of how many people in this room have been bullied, I guarantee you I could probably come pretty close to guessing the percentage because the studies are out there. But let me run through a few uh, uh, statistics on bullying. You see, often kids are the recipients of bullying. We, we know this. 33% of elementary school-aged children report being bullied. So that's not how many are bullied. That's how many report being bullied. 33% elementary age. Now, if we get to uh, middle school, high school, 12 to 18 or so, about 22% of that population report being bullied. Often this happens at school. It might happen on the bus, but something to do with the interaction that they're having with their uh, peers every day. The reasons for, most, uh, for being bullied reported most often by students include physical appearance, race or ethnicity, gender, disability, religion, and sexual orientation. And I probably don't have to say this, but you realize by now, since we live in 2022, that one of the most common, maybe the most common, I couldn't get the latest statistics on this, of bullying is, we call it cyberbullying, right? When we are being bullied through means of social media, text messages, something digital. This is the new way of being bullied. And here's what's different about it from like maybe when I grew up without cell phones and without the internet, you could, you could do this from your own space, be anonymous about it, and all of a sudden you're ruining someone's life through cyberbullying. You're being predatory through cyberbullying. There's another aspect for kids of bullying that I don't think gets enough credence and I wanna just say it because I think it's really, really important. And that's when adults bully children. It sometimes comes under the guise of things like, I'm just standing up for my kid, man. Or I'm the adult. Maybe you've heard this, I'm the adult. That's why. Or you might say, kids these days just don't have enough respect. I'll, I'll make them respect me. It's tragic the kinds of impact we're making on children when we don't realize the power of our words, adults. But how about adults? You might be wondering about that. So adults surveyed about bullying say 31% say they were bullied as adults. So adults with other adults, 31% say they have been bullied. And so again, you might even have a face or a name. Maybe you have a bully boss. Maybe you have a bully neighbor. And you may have a bully friend. Here's the problem with bullies. Again, if you're taking notes, I think I put this on the slide. 
There's some things as I've researched and I've thought through, these are the things that I think are some of the problems with bullies. Number one, bullies are often in a position of power. Bullies are often in a position of power. Second, bullies then use that power to intimidate. Then, number three, bullies use that intimidation because they want to conquer something. And then bullies conquer, and they don't stop. They keep trying to conquer. That's what a bully does. They don't know when to stop. And finally, you know this, bullies often find each other and then team up and work together. This is the problem with bullies. And it's why vulnerable people are often in a place where they don't know what to do. And you say, well, why would people just kind of join in gang? I, I, I think we have such a deep desire to be accepted at such a core level that it almost doesn't matter what the issue is. If you could find a circle that you could connect with, you will join it. And before long, you realize that you are end up being the same kind of behavior. Actually, sometimes you don't even realize it. You're, that you used to despise and hate. And so my question is, would you even be open to the option that you may be a bully? It's easy, you know, we would talk about the critics and you'd be like, yeah, I could be a critic. And again, I've heard the stories of, in this room of, yeah, that's my husband, that's my wife, that's my kid. Or I might be a talker, I might be one who brags, or I might be one who dominates. I could see that in me, but how many people would just say, I, yeah, I, I think I'm a bully. Bully behavior comes from a place of hurt. You say, Tom, how do you know that? Because, because hurt people, and you've heard this, hurt people. And you say, Tom, well, how do, you, how do you know that? Well, because it's our other verse that we've been talking about this whole time. Luke 6.45 says, what you say, and I'm going to add in here today, if you give me the liberty, and do, flows from your heart. What you say and do flows from your heart. And I've talked about this often. Our hearts are sick. And the Bible says we don't often know it. We're, we just don't even know it. It could fool us. We can't trust our hearts. And that wound in your heart, sometimes you have to go way deep down to the bottom to figure out what is going on with that. And you ask, have to ask yourself some hard questions. And so I'm going to put out some questions. For those of you who may be a bully, in your interactions, I'm going to ask you this. First one is really easy. Might I be a bully? I want you to really have that open and honest heart question. Do you see what I did there? Not hard questions, the heart questions. Two, why is it so important for me to feel like I have to conquer and control? What is going on that I feel like I have to conquer and control this thing? Then I want you to ask this question. Why do I resort to excessive behavior in trying to conquer? What is it about me that just takes a turn and why do I have to do that? And finally, why do I feel the need of targeting someone more vulnerable than I am? What do I stand to lose? Because here's the thing. It's all going to stem from you. something you feel is being taken from you or been taken from you and you want to get back. 
Or why is that so important to gain back? Here's what Ephesians 4, 29, 30 through 30, uh, Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 says. This is a text for people who may be bullies. It says, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Everybody say that with me. Building others up. That was terrible. Everybody say that with me. Building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Bullies, the Bible is very specific. We need to build up, not tear down. Our words and our behavior. So far in this series, we've talked a lot about our words. This one is both our words and our behavior. Is your behavior building up? Proverbs 11, 12. Again, Proverbs is something you should be going through all the time. It is a book of wisdom. And we've talked about this. He calls a lot of the people that are difficult, that I'm calling difficult, he calls them fools. You just don't get it. This is what he says. It's foolish to belittle one's neighbor. That's what bullies do. They belittle. They exert this power, control, and dominance. And finally, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 19 says, there are six things that the Lord hates. Yes, seven that he detests. And my, when I read verses like this in the Bible, my ears perk up because that is some strong language. This is what God hates. This is what he detests. It's this image of spitting it out of my mouth. Okay, this is what he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill innocents, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. Just leave that up there for a second. Look at this list and say when God sees that, he wants to spit it out of his mouth. He hates it. He detests it. And I look at things like a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong. I'm going to get in on this because I don't like that person either. And we belittle and we berate. And God says, no. Zero tolerance for this kind of behavior. And so how do we deal with bullies? How do we deal with bullies? And I want to mention six things in a list. Again, these are my things that I think could be helpful. And I want to talk about some scripture that I believe help us get there. But again, I want you to put that person in your mind that you think might be in this category for you. We've got this person in our mind and I want you to have that picture as difficult as it may be in your mind as we talk about this today. Number one. Don't enter conversations alone. If you feel you're being bullied, as much as possible, don't get caught alone in a conversation, in an interaction with that person. Have people around you that you could invite into a conversation. There are so many benefits to this. 
Remember, bullies love bringing people in. For them, there's power in numbers, but the reverse is also true. There is power in numbers. When we can go before a person who might be, and we might be in a bullying situation with their attitude and the way they're treating people and have those extra set of ears. There are, I hate to say this, but it's, it's the truth. I've been doing this way too long. There are some conversations that I know, and my elder team knows this. There are some conversations at this point for people, you know, in and outside the church that I will not have a conversation alone with them. I will not do it. I will always invite someone, usually an elder, but sometimes other, into the conversation with me to make sure that I have someone there to hear and to listen and to mediate. Don't enter conversation alone if you could help it. Number two, know your boundaries. Know your boundaries. And this might sound a little bit weird, but I think it's actually really, really important and really helpful and really clarifying. And it's something I try to preach all the time. It's something to, like, know your whys. Why do you do what you do? Why do you feel so strongly about a thing? What are the values that are shaping your heart and your life that drive you? What hills are you willing to die on and which hills are you willing to sacrifice? And I find that if we could answer this truthfully, and I know we won't always get there and it might change every so often. In fact, it's going to change. But when you know why and you know all of those things, it helps you set boundaries for the types of conversations that you could have. It helps you set boundaries within those conversations to know the things that you can't move on and the things that you will. And what's helpful for me, maybe putting like a a scenario to this, is think about at work. If you have a boss who's a bully and they're trying to get you to do something, again, maybe this is silly, this is all in my head right now, but you need to fudge the numbers on this report right here so that we can make this look like it's supposed to be over here. And you know, because of the nature of your boss, that you might lose your job if you stand up for that. You have to know your whys. You have to know your boundaries and say, that's something I will not do. And here's why. And if it loses your job, that's what you need to wrestle with. Number three, keep your distance. Keep your distance. Now, I've said all along, one of the things that I think we're fed when it talks about dealing with difficult people, that's a kind of a prevalent attitude in the world is get rid of all the toxic people in your life. Just don't have anything to do with them. And I would argue against that. But here's a situation where sometimes what you need to do is to be separate from this person. In other words, the boundary that you create must not include that person. Number four, you are not allowed to be a bystander to bullies. You say, Tom, that sounds really harsh and really direct. It does. You are not allowed as a Christian, to be a bystander in a bullying situation. You say, Tom, prove it. Well, I'm gonna do my best. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 14 to 15 says this. We urge you, brothers and sisters, strong warning here now from the early apostles in the church, right? I'm going to urge you and warn you, those who are idle and disruptive, to encourage the disheartened, to help the weak, to be patient with everyone and make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone 
else. As a Christian, we don't have the luxury of being a bystander around the bully. We just don't. And I want to piggyback off of that one for the fifth thing. Don't avenge. Don't avenge. And when we deal with the bully, don't avenge. This is what the Bible says to us, Romans chapter 12. And again, I know there's a lot of info. I know I'm kind of racing through. I know it's a little bit heavy. I want you to write this down. This is for your discussion later, okay? Romans 12, verses 14, and then 17 through 20. Listen to what the author says. He says, but to you who are listening, I say this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. I could stop right there because it's already a slap in the face, but let me go on. Ah, if someone slaps you in the face, turn the other cheek as well. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, do as much as you can, he's saying. Live at peace with everyone. And here is the key phrase. Do not take revenge, my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And this passage of scripture is eerily reminder to me of a passage that Jesus taught specifically in his most famous sermon that we have record of. And he says this, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted prophets who are before you. You've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And you've heard it said to love your enemy, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. There's a lot going on there. But I'm going to say the sixth thing and I'll kind of bring it back. There's my last thing. Anchor your worth in God. How do you deal with a bully? Part of this solution, anchor your worth in God. I have said this every single time I've been up here in this series. And it's become such a theme for me that I actually didn't really expect it to. I'm going to wrap it all up next week and I want to talk a little bit more about this. Anchoring our worth in God. It's kind of like knowing the boundaries things for me. It's just knowing what God says about you, what he's called you to in walking in confidence in the presence of those who may hate you and persecute you and try to lord over you and try to dominate you. And Psalm 9 verses 9 and 10 says, the Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. 
those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. You have that person in your head? I do. I have one or two that I could think of that in my encounters with them, and I, again, I'm not talking about something criminal. I'm talking about as a way of behavior, they tend to dominate people that are vulnerable. And there might be nothing that makes me more angry than to see that and know what happens to me. I respond and react to that in ways that are unhealthy, but as God calls us to be spiritually healthy and spiritually mature. I need to stop and I need to pause and I need to say, I know who I am. I know what God has called me to. I'm not gonna avenge. I will stand up, particularly for those who are less or more vulnerable. We must do that. And so here's my main takeaways today. For the bully, if you think you might be in a position where you are in, interact with people and you tend to come across as a bully, think about this, build up. Don't let that thing come out that you're thinking. Be thoughtful and careful and patience and exercise self-control. Build up. And for those of us who may be dealing with the difficult bully in our lives, I'm gonna say this again, anchor and pray. Anchor and pray. I had, uh, we, were, we were sitting in our life group circle this past week and it was awesome. We were sat outside on the, on the deck and we had a fire going. It was just a great time of connection. And someone said something and it's true, although I know I didn't have it as one of the things that's listed Someone, you know, who is dealing with a particular difficult person in their life. And, you know, uh, this person was saying, my perspective has completely changed and now I'm praying for them. And it was really kind of convicting. Because our tendency is not to go <laughs> and to pray for those who are mistreating us. Particularly bullies. It just seems so obvious, but God says, you know, stop. Anchor in me and pray. And may he give you the grace and the peace in your heart and the wisdom to know when to push and when to let go and when to stand up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. I thank you for every person here for the privilege it is to stand up here, God, and to try to talk about your word and to talk about how we grow up to be in you as a Christian. God, we see examples all the time, all the time of difficult people and how we react and how Christians react and it breaks my heart and I pray that we would anchor in what you have told us, that we would continue to grow into love in joy, in peace, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, in self-control. God, that you would give us eyes to see where people are hurting. God, that you would give us the wisdom and the strength to stand up for the vulnerable when we need to. And that, God, that we would pray for those who come at us 
change our perspective, change our thinking, help us to do this together. May we bring light back to this community through Hope Church. In Jesus' name, amen.